Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of our Through the Noise podcast. The Ukraine situation is clearly dominating sentiment with 1-2% to equity market swings becoming commonplace. We've also had an update from Powell from the Fed on his initial thoughts when it comes to the implication of the Ukraine situation on monetary policy decision-making in the US. Finally, we've also released our latest global market outlook entitled The Fog of War, where we made some significant changes to our asset class preferences, particularly within the equity space. With this in mind, I'm pleased to have with me today Rajat Bhattacharya, who runs our CIO office economics team, and Fukien Yap, a senior equity strategist. So Rajat, let's start with you. Um, Ukraine is clearly top of mind. Um, can you give us a sense of how you look at the Ukraine situation and how things might evolve from here? Sure, Steve. The Ukraine conflict has led to a humanitarian crisis on a scale not seen in Europe for decades. For investors, though, history suggests geopolitical conflicts do not have a lasting impact on risk assets. The financial implications of Ukraine crisis can be assessed, in our view, in terms of three red lines. The severity of Western economic and financial sanctions following Russia's invasion. Second, the extent of disruption to oil and gas supplies from Russia. And third, the chances of the conflict spilling over beyond Ukraine's borders. Over the past week, the first of the three red lines has been crossed after the US and Europe imposed wide-ranging sanctions against Russia, including taking unprecedented steps, such as removing major Russian banks from the SWIFT payment network and freezing reserves of Russia's central bank. These steps have led to a sharp decline in the ruble and Russian assets. However, and this is important, Russian assets have marginal weights in global equity and bonds indices. Okay, so I guess, as you say, the first one's been crossed, third one probably unlikely to be crossed for a long time. So the key is the second one. So what's the current status on this? Indeed, the crisis is likely to have a bigger impact on oil and gas markets, metals, and some agricultural commodities. There are reports that oil and gas flows from Russia, while not directly sanctioned, are flowing as importers struggle to finance their transactions. This explains the 20% jump in oil prices over the past week. However, Russian oil flows to Asia are continuing for now. Gas flows to Europe have been falling even before the latest escalation. So the above framework leaves us with two main scenarios. In the base case, most of Russian oil and gas continue to flow to Asia and Europe. Also, major OPEC producers such as Saudi Arabia and UAE and potentially Iran, if we have a nuclear deal, and developed countries are likely to replenish some lost supplies by lifting output or releasing more stockpiles. In this case, oil prices are likely to fall back below $100 and the broader impact on global markets is likely to be limited. There's an alternative scenario wherein oil and gas flows from Russia completely stall and OPEC or the OECD countries, the developed countries, are unable to replenish the lost supplies. This would raise the risk of stagflation. Which, which typically is characterized by sharply slowing growth and rising inflation. This is likely to be felt especially in uh, Europe. 
Yeah, and I guess that's actually the main fear that we're seeing at the moment. You know, if we look at the what was happening from an economic perspective before Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine invasion, we're already seeing inflation rising and growth slowing, albeit from well high levels. Um, you know, what do you? Th- oh, sorry, higher oil prices and gas prices add to these trends. So, I guess the question is, how does that affect monetary policy decisions going forward? Yeah, in our base case, uh, Steve, the Ukraine crisis results in major central banks in the US and Europe dialing back their hawkishness. Markets are now pricing just over five Fed rate hikes this year, including a quarter point hike in March. This is down from almost seven hikes a month ago. Uh, Fed's Powell, uh, the Chairman Powell, told the Congress this week that uh, the Fed remains focused on tackling inflation, but he recognizes the emerging uncertainty posed by Ukraine's crisis. The US Treasury yield curve continues to flatten, another sign that investors are increasingly concerned about slowing growth. The ECB, meanwhile, is likely to continue with its asset purchases, reversing its plan to taper purchases later this year in this scenario. This is another potential upside. There's another potential upside in terms of policy. Europe is likely to see a significant rise in fiscal spending in defense and energy infrastructure as a direct result of the Ukraine crisis. This would be positive for medium-term growth in our view. Okay, um, so let's move to equity markets and, and Fukien. Um, you know, I, I suppose from a, our perspective, you know, at the global equity levels, we're still, uh, we're still um, bullish on a six to 12 month basis. We've outlined that we see these things as being, you know, geopolitical uh, aspects generally being temporary from an investment perspective. Uh, but it clearly is having a significant implication on the European economic outlook and monetary policy outlook around the world, as well as highlighted by Rajat. So how is this affecting your preferences when it comes to regional equity markets? Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, we just downgraded our view on euro area and U.S. equities uh, from preferred markets to a core holding. Now, what this means is that we expect them both to now perform in line with global equities. Now, with the euro area, clearly the Ukraine situation is causing a lot of volatility. Uh, Apart from being physically close to the conflict, uh, there are links through the financial sector in Europe, uh, which is likely to cloud the outlook in the short term. And with the US, uh, we see an increasingly hawkish stance by the Fed, uh, which will drive bond yields higher in our view. And uh, this acts as a headwind on the valuation of US equities, uh, which has a heavy weight in growth sectors. Uh, But to be clear, if we look past the Ukraine conflict, uh, looking at a 12-month horizon, as you said, uh, we are positive on global equities. And uh, since we expect euro area and US to perform in line with global equities, we are constructive on equities in these two regions on a 12-month view. Okay, so I suppose, you know, we had a view previously that we were expecting those two regions to outperform. That's gone. So which which region do you prefer on a forward-looking basis and why? Yeah, we upgraded Asia X Japan from core to preferred. And this means that we expect Asia X Japan to outperform global equities over the next 12 months. And we expect this to be led by Chinese equities, uh, where we've seen policy turn positively uh, towards stabilizing economic growth, uh, such as an easing in the monetary policy there. Now, Now, the Chinese market is very much driven by regulatory action. And on this front, we believe the intensity is moderating 
and the regulatory risk are increasingly priced in to the markets. And valuations are also more supportive in China and Ajax Japan uh, after they have been derating over the past year. Okay, and, and, and I know you've made some changes at this uh, sector level as well. So can you give us some sense of the, the key changes there? Yeah, we, we downgraded the technology sector in the US and Europe uh, after a poor start to the year for the sector. Uh, investors have been concerned about the tech sector's valuation premium. And we expect this concern will persist, actually, as we see uh, bond yields rising further. And this acts as a headwind on the tech sector's uh, relatively high valuations. Now, uh, on the other hand, we upgraded the financials and energy sectors to be preferred sectors globally across the US, Europe, and China. So financials is the sector that is most positively correlated to bond yields in the US. And we believe yields are likely to rise along with a tightening of monetary policy, especially starting with the US. And then uh, in China, though, monetary policy is actually easing and we believe the resulting growth stabilization there will ease credit concerns, which is a positive for the Chinese banks. And uh, energy is upgraded to preferred. Uh, all prices are up, of course, with the Ukraine conflict now. And it will likely ease uh, when geopolitical tensions soften. Uh, but we still see oil staying elevated above $90 a barrel in the next one to three months. And this is with the ongoing recovery in demand, and all producers are staying very disciplined in production. In any case, uh, energy equities have lagged the oil prices significantly, and we see a catch-up opportunity for equities. So even if the oil price drops back below $100, uh, we think there's a catch-up opportunity for the energy equities. And lastly, valuations for the financials and energy sectors relative to the broader market remains very attractive compared to history. Thanks for Kian. Uh, so maybe to, just to wrap up, I mean, obviously, we've shared quite a bit of information and views today. Um, so Rajat, coming back to you, if, if we take a bit of a step back um, from from the day to day uh, events, there's obviously clearly a lot of uncertainty out there. But how would you advise clients to, to, to look at investing um, in the current environment? Yes, Steve, these are clearly unusual times. In troubling times like these, it's natural to feel anxious. So his, uh, investors typically run to safety of cash in these times. However, history tells us time and again, investors are better off with a diversified allocation that reflects their risk tolerance and hedge against near-term risks. Seeking refuge in cash is likely to hurt long-term returns, especially given inflation today. Gold, Inflation-protected bonds have historically protected investors from losing their purchasing power to inflation. And we believe those are the place to be in if you're worried about these troubling times. Okay. Um, well, well, thank you for that. I know we've run a little bit uh, longer than normal, but thanks, Rajat and Fukien, for your insights today. And, and thank everybody for listening to our podcast today. Um, I, I hope you uh, enjoyed the insights that we gave and, and, and it gives you something to think about. Um, please, as always, like and rate our, our podcast uh, on the wherever you listen to it. And please uh, stay well and keep safe. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.